Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Kristen Swanson, we discussed how we can overcome resistance to achieve our someday win projects and goals. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how we can achieve our soul-led goals. You wrote an article that talked about ways that we can start our day the night before. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So I hear a lot of people and I know a lot of people and I do myself believe strongly in a morning routine for sure to set the tone for your day and set an intention and really set, you know, things up for success. And I believe that your morning actually can start the night before, like you can make it even better by starting all of it the night before. So that might mean, especially if you're new to a morning routine, starting with an evening routine is helpful. So that might mean going to bed earlier. It might mean putting your screens away an hour before bed or getting things ready the night before. So putting, setting out your workout clothes, get your water bottle filled and ready to go. All of the things, I mean, I think there's clues actually in your morning and like what goes wrong in your morning (laughs) about what you could do the night before to make your day go smoothly. So to really look at what, what it is that you want to be doing. So sometimes it's like healthy nutrition or you know, coming prepared to meetings or, and I find a lot of people don't even look at like their schedule for the day until the morning. So looking at your calendar the night before, and is there too many meetings on there? Do I have to shorten one of them? Do I need to add some more drive time in for traffic? Just like being proactive the night before and thinking it all through makes for a super successful day. I love the clues too, so that when you get up in the morning, you see the water bottle right there, you see the, the clothes laid out or whatever it is, and you're, you, yeah. you naturally flow into those clues. Yes. Yeah. And you can do that on purpose. So there are things that, you know, maybe already are habits. Like for me, drinking coffee is like, I'm not going to forget to drink my coffee. So sometimes I'll put like a post-it on the coffee maker that says laundry and throw a load of laundry in, or, you know, you could, if you, if there's something that's like habit stacking, right. So taking a habit that you already have and like adding one that you want to be building. So, yeah. I love it. You gave a workshop about client attraction to achieve consistent revenue. You want to share some of the key takeaways from that workshop? Yeah. Yeah. So what we talked about in that workshop is really, really getting clear on, first of all, your ideal client. So knowing who that is, and that really starts with what I was saying earlier, which is like getting out there and talking to people and knowing what it is that you absolutely love to help people with and the transformation that you make for people. And then it's all about back to sort of the energy thing like managing your energy and showing up as your best self and showing up consistently in the places where your audience is going to be and really like shining your light. So I love this analogy of um, the lighthouse. I I read this in a book. I think it's called attract your perfect customer or something. Anyway, so it's all about like the lighthouse just is there shining their light, right? Like, and the ships come to the lighthouse, like even in storms, right? That's like their job is to be there shining their light. So consistently showing up in your best energy and shining your light and not like out there chasing people, but just, you know, owning your gifts and continuing to share. And so it's back to this like consistent actions 
those those things that you found are successful for you and doing them over and over again so that your clients are attracted to you because you're this bright shining light in the midst of covid you you taught about different ways we can remain calm during times of change do you want to share some of those strategies with us Yes. So this is really different for everyone, but knowing the things that really ground you. So is that for you, is that like, you know, being in nature or meditation or taking little five minute breaks to go get a drink of water, these things that you can insert into your day that will help you stay grounded. And my big, the biggest thing here is um, really focusing on what you can control. So I like to have people start with their complaints because complaints are always like just at the forefront. Like you can just always come up with what's not working and like make a list. And on the left-hand side of the paper, just all the things that aren't working and that you, maybe some of them are what you wish were in your control, but just what you don't like. And then on the other side, try, first of all, asking yourself, are these in my control? So really focusing on only what you can control and then the things that are asking, well, what do I want? So if I don't want that, that, that's clear, you know, that's always like at the forefront, but what do I want instead? And, and what is within my control and what's just one small thing that I can do every day to impact that. Any other strategies or secrets of how to remain calm during change? I think that I have seen things like meditation, um, visualizations, think exercise, hydration, and nutrition, like these basics. It's really like back to the basics, which it seems like we were really good about that at the beginning of COVID. Everybody was talking about that, like, you know, take care of yourself. These, these are, you know, deep breaths in the, in between meetings, whatever you need to do. And then I think some of it like has gone away a little bit. And so it's like back to the basics. Yeah. Uh, you wrote another article about eating from their gifts. What did you mean by that? And, and how do we prevent doing that? Yeah. So I believe when we have these gifts that we're meant to share with the world, they're, it's scary and there's resistance. Like I talked about earlier, which is really like fear. And so it's easy to hide. It's easy to say like, not today. I've got a lot going on. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to take action on that yet, putting things off and all of that. So, and not completely sharing all the way their gifts. So like that kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier with like looking at how other people are doing it, right? Like I can't, I can't do it my way because it looks like the proven way to do this is, you know, marketing funnels and whatever everybody else is doing. Right. So, so really owning your, your gifts and sharing it without those fears. And, and that really takes, it takes some work. So whether that be like your personal development work or like managing your inner critic and, and, you know, taking action anyway, like alongside of your inner critic, it's never going to go away, but just like taking action anyway, and to stop comparing. Like, I really think that's probably the biggest one is that people are comparing to others and we really need to like, not let that stop us. How do we even find what those gifts are as entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, I think there's clues in like what you lose track of time doing, what you do and 
people say, oh, you're so good at that. And you think, really? Like, isn't everybody doing that? I can, you know, that that's nothing type of a thing. Those are your gifts. Those are your strengths. The things where it just comes super easy to you, where you almost say like, I can't even believe I could get paid to do this. It resonates with you is a word I like to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you've taught about this importance of having a criteria for saying yes. And a lot of people talk about um, how, how some of the most successful entrepreneurs say no the vast majority of the time to opportunities. And, and that's a secret of success. You've got to say no a whole bunch of times so that you have time left to say yes to the most important things. So can you talk to us a bit about what, what criteria we should have? How do, we, how do we set up that criteria for ourselves to say yes? Yeah, I think it's important to know the areas that you want to focus on and what you're committed to in your business that is important to you. And then I think the biggest thing is actually your like body. <laughs> so it's listening to what your intuition says and like the initial reaction that you almost like can feel viscerally in your body. And so one of the things I like to teach people is to like create space between when you're asked and when you answer yes or no to something, because sometimes you're, you might be a pleaser and you might be somebody who just is used to saying yes. And so that's just like a gut thing that you always do, but really sitting with that and, and almost noticing like the resentment factor, like, is there going to be a resentment factor? Like later, am I going to wish I didn't do that? So I think it's following your intuition. I think asking yourself, is this a hell yes? I mean, there's something about like the hell yeah, that those are the things. And then even the things that are borderline, experiment with saying no to the borderline things and notice how that feels. So it's really about your energy and does it feel like expansive and, oh yes, I'm like so looking forward to doing this or does it feel constricting and this is going to stop me from doing other things. And I really, you know, I, I, I say, pay attention to the word should. So if you're doing it because you feel like you should, I think that's where you sort of take caution and try to say no more often and just see what happens. The more my life goes on, the more a lot of my time decisions are being made by those things that are, how would you say it? No brainers, like the, the house that we're living in, right? We looked and looked and looked and there was just nothing on the market, absolutely nothing that would work for us. And um, then one day a house came on the market that was just, it was just the perfect fit, right? It was like, oh, heck yeah. Like there was, there was no question. No hesitation. There was no hesitation. Like both of us were on board and we were ready to make an offer that day. And, and I think there's a lot to that is filling our lives with those kinds of things. And when we're debating and saying, oh, I'm not sure if I should do this or not, right? It, it's probably not the right thing, right? We've got to find those things that are the no-brainer decisions, the the things that just resonate with us. And I don't know, I I think some of that is God, where where He helps things resonate with us to guide us in the directions that He wants us to go. Yes, I don't know. What are your for thoughts? For sure. There? Yeah, I think it is. Yes. So so being in touch with that too, the 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 like guidance that you feel and, and following it and not like apologizing for that. Yeah, that's right. So sometimes we know what those things are. We know what the, 
heck yeses are in our life, right? Mm -hmm. But you, you were talking about earlier, we get busy with the day-to-day things of life and, and we procrastinate, we put them off. We, you, you call them our, our someday wins, get procrastinated by, by that resistance of life. So some people refer to that as, as procrastination, putting off the, the things that, we, that are resonating with us that we are yearning to do. Um, how, do we, how do we overcome that procrastination? Yeah, so I think knowing yourself and knowing why you're procrastinating. So are you avoiding feeling a feeling? Sometimes that's why. So you avoid feeling like unworthy or you you might feel like a failure if you do this thing. Like, are you avoiding the feeling? Are you waiting until it feels good to do it? Are you, um, there's just so many reasons why you might not do it. So, so getting in touch with what's stopping you, like what it is, and then like having some go-to strategies. So maybe that is working with your inner critic. If that is what's stopping you, like I was saying earlier, like challenging it, like, is it really true that I can't do this thing? It, no, it's not true. So when I'm in sort of in my right mind, I know that I can take action on this and, and orchestrating your day in a way that you're going to feel good in that moment to take that action. So that might mean, like we said earlier, starting in the morning, chunking things down. I think um, sometimes having somebody else hold you accountable. It's like as simple as saying out loud. And I even like to do it sometimes on social media. So I tell a lot of people out loud, I'm going to do this thing. Like I'm going to write every day and hold me accountable. And just as soon as you say it out loud, hold me accountable to another human, you're way more likely to do it. I mean, same thing with like having a personal trainer and exercise, like you're more likely to do it if you have a personal trainer. So accountability is huge and just, um, keep going. Yeah. There's a quote that you've put up that you've published out on your social channels from Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, that says you must do the things you think you cannot do. Um, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I think these like soul led goals are big. They're, they're big, right? Like it's not going to happen overnight. And, and when you go after those big goals, you're going to have this resistance and you're going to feel like you can't do it. I mean, you're, you're going to be scared. Basically there's going to be fear present and that's a clue. It's like a clue to follow that thing. It, it should have resistance when, I mean, I think that's why writers have writer's block, right? It's similar to that. So, so knowing that that resistance is going to be there, you're going to feel like you can't and you can. Yeah. I love that phrase you used, soul-led goals. Those things that just resonate in us to our souls. Yeah. And I think when we look when we get to the end of our lives and we look back at our lives, I think 95% of what we did, 90% of what we did will, will not be part of how we define our life, right? What, what will be used to define our lives? And it'll obviously be with the relationships with the people that matter most, you know, that'll be right up there at the top. And, and then in addition to that, I think it'll be those soul led goals yeah. that we actually achieved. Exactly. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think a way to get at that, if you're like, I don't even know what my soul is saying, (laughs) is because some people feel that way, 
is, is to ask yourself, what do you want your legacy to be? Which is what you, what you said reminded me of is to just think of it from that perspective. What do I want my, why, how do I want people to remember me? What difference do I want to have made in whose life? And what do I want my legacy to be? And that there's really clues there. One thing that inhibits us, that blocks us from achieving those soul-led goals is wasted time. Um, how do we identify and overcome that wasted time in our day? Yeah, so I think most people are pretty familiar with where their time wasters are, but if you're not, I advise to sort of keep a pen and paper with you all day long and just write down what you're doing and you just do it for one day, like on an average day, what you're doing. You don't have to like be, there's there's some ways where you get really rigid about it, but you don't need to do that, but just a general idea and that you you will learn so much by doing that and and going in with going into your day with an intention for the things that you want to work on and and find what pulls you away from working on those things so is it email text messages you know all the dings on on the notifications on the phone all of those things and, and, you know, scrolling social media, TV, all of these things that just can suck up your time and, and consciously asking yourself, is that where I want to be spending my time? In this COVID world, where a lot more of us are working from home, and as we move to entrepreneurship and, and more people are working from home with that, um, how, how do we overcome wasted time in our, our days in this remote workspace? How do we, how do we improve the use of our day working remotely? Yeah. So I think the remote thing is so tough because it's like always on and always there. Right. So I think again, it's like back to planning and having the structure and, and again, accountability. So telling the people around you, like I am working in my office uninterrupted, you know, going to shut the door for an hour. I'm on a call, whatever it is, like setting expectations with other people. And then, and also planning in like breaks and when you're going to be off or when you're going to be with your family or when you're going to, if you're overseeing homeschool, like when you're going to do your online school stuff with your kids. And, and I taught when, when it is the online school stuff, I talk about like, you know, having sort of, a, it's like a schedule for them and then a schedule for you that like matches at similar times. So like, while you have your calls, they're on, you know, occupied that kind of a thing. And you just, you have to plan a little bit more and be, and be aware of where you're getting sucked in. Yeah. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talks about rocks and putting the rocks in the jar first. And he, he uses that analogy where he, he said, okay, put in the sand first and then put in the pebbles. And then there's no room for the big rocks in the jar. But then he has everyone put the rocks in and then the pebbles around it and then fill it with sand and everything fits in the jar. And his point is you got to put the rocks in first, otherwise there's no room for them. So that fits very well with what you're saying is you, you've got to schedule in the rocks. You've got to find those most important tasks and find time blocks for them. So you make sure that those happen during the day and then let everything else fill in around the rocks. Yes, exactly. I think a lot of times we're really optimistic with how much we think we're going to get it done in a day. And so I see like a lot, a lot of people with like super long to-do lists 
and they're expecting themselves to get that done all day while they have like back-to-back zoom calls and of course that's not going to work right but we still go in like expecting that we're going to do all of that so even taking you know one or two of those things off of the big long list putting it into time slots on your calendar right and because you might not even have time to do a couple of those and so then also knowing that if you need to rearrange some of those meetings and things like that and and i think i i feel like you don't have to say this, but I always do have to say this, you're in charge of your calendar. So even though somebody can put things onto your calendar these days, right, you can also change that, right? Like I, I often use the, the example of like, you know, if you had a funeral to go to tomorrow, you would clear your schedule. If you had a super important doctor appointment, you, you would cancel it. it. You can do that too when you feel depleted, right? And it doesn't need to be, um, I think we feel like we're going to let people down and we also need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And another important thing is just because someone has an hour long meeting scheduled or a 30 minute meeting scheduled, right? If you need to clear up more yeah. space, you can get into that 30 minute meeting and say, okay, what are I the key decisions have, we need yeah. to make today? I've only got 10 minutes. How do we get this done? Yes. And you can try to get more time freed up for yourself that yeah. way. Yeah. That is a very underutilized strategy that I love. Yeah. Just shorten the meeting. Yeah. And you can do it, like you say, just when you show up, you don't have to tell them in advance. You can just tell them. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, soul-led goals help us achieve our greatest dreams. Our soul-led goals are often met with challenges and resistance, but that's actually a clue we are doing something great. Number two, having a great morning and evening routine can help us set the tone for the day and make our days much more successful. Number three, to help meet our goals, we should have a good energy and manage our energy effectively. Number four, to stay calm during times of change, we can make a list of what we are in control of and find things to ground ourselves in. Number five, when someone asks a question, we should give ourselves time to think about our answer and follow our intuition. Number six, to overcome procrastination, we can find an accountability partner to help us. To learn more about or connect with Kristen, please connect with her on Instagram or visit her website at kristenswansonconsulting.com. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing to help identify and leverage the highest passions of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in achieving your soul-driven goals. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.